Good evening. I hope you're as excited as Keith is for this really exciting lesson here. Nathan, you killed it. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. I want to encourage you guys with a psalm here. Psalm 115, verse 18. We will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. I want to welcome everyone here. It's so nice to see everyone. It's such a blessing to see everyone and be here with everyone. We've had a great day, and I pray we have a great week for the Lord. We are going to be in Judges 4 and 5. Judges 4 and 5. You have two chapters that talk about most of the same story. They have different details. One's a narrative, one's more poetic, but they complement each other. And we're going to look at both 4 and 5 this evening. But before we do, I want to say that we, we serve a great God. We really do. And we need to fear Him and honor Him because He deserves our whole lives. He's done so much for us. And that psalm, right there on the screen, I mentioned a second ago, it says, we will bless the Lord. What does that mean? We will bless the Lord. What does it mean to bless God? Can I do that? And if so, how? How can I do that? You might be thinking, how can a pitiful, feeble human beings bless a God so great and so majestic? What do I have that can bless Him? We're nothing compared to Him. He's perfect, and he's always been perfect. We don't always think about you know, blessing the Lord, but we read about it often throughout, throughout the scriptures. Between Genesis and Psalms, it's mentioned over 120 times in passages such as Genesis 9:26, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Servant's a key word there. It's going to come up more and more. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Psalm 16:7. And then in Psalm 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. And even in the New Testament there, Ephesians 1:3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And if you're in Judges 5, look at verse 2. It says, the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offer themselves willingly, bless the Lord. What would cause Deborah to say these words here? When we look at the context of many of these passages, that word bless is often closely aligned with this idea of praise. And it is true, we do bless him when we praise him, when we sing praises to him. But that idea goes so much deeper than that. That Hebrew word for bless that we're talking about is barak, to bless, to kneel, to praise, salute. It's a verb. We take action in it. A good soldier, for example, he salutes the president, the commander-in-chief, because he respects him. And he works hard because he honors that president to be a good soldier. Blessing God, I make this clear, is not adding to God, to God, excuse me. It's not making him stronger. It's not adding value to God. When the Bible says that we bless him, it's recognizing him and his greatness and in turn trying to live a life that is honorable to him. Our lives and how we live for God should sing praises to him and bless 
him. This is what we see in the story of our judge this evening, Deborah. Now, Deborah is a pretty unique judge, and I know you can probably say that about many of the judges. But I want you to look closely when we read this story here of how Deborah blesses the Lord as a leader of the Israelites at this time. However, like any good story, what do you need in a story? You usually need right, a bad guy. You need a villain. And in this case, we see that in Judges 4, 1 through 3. Ehud dies. We talked about him a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. And the Israelites, they fall away from God. And we read in Judges 4, verse 1, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Notice the two characters here in this passage. You have Jabin and you have Sisera. And this is important because what we'll see in this story is this tag team match. You'll see Jabin and Sisera versus Deborah and Barak. Now don't get Barak confused with Barak. You have the name and you have the word. The name Barak, we'll see, is, means lightning. But the word Barak, which is going to be our theme in this lesson, is to bless, to kneel. Now a common theme that we see in the book of Judges and God's people is crying out to the Lord for help there in verse 3. And this is often sometimes a common theme in our own life. And it seems hard sometimes how we can bless God when we mess up and we mess up and we mess up and we mess up and we mess up. And we can find ourselves getting tired of pleading. And instead we long for security from the sin that's just causing our desperation. However, these Israelites, believe it or not, in the end are going to bless God. And in their pleas, they've already started that blessing because they've turned their focus. You see, they've turned their attention away from that idolatry, away from whatever evil turned them away from God in the first place. And now they turn their focus back to God. They've turned it back to God and the strength they know he has to get them out of this oppression. And this is where it starts. When we are in such despair that all we can do is trust the Lord, placing our faith in him. Our hero in this story, Deborah, who we're going to focus on, is leading the charge. And notice she has the respect of God's people, starting in verses 4 and 10. Why does she have this respect? Verse 4 it says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lipidoth, was judging Israel at this time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. Now Deborah has obviously gained a lot of respect for the people of Israel at this time. They're coming to her for discernment, for judgment, and that connection that she has with the Lord. The first thing that's mentioned about her in verse 4 is that she's a prophetess. She has her trust in the Lord. And the people know this because it comes out in the way that she deals with God's people. And the same is true for us today. Trust is so important. How can we live a life 
blessing God if we don't have faith in Him, if we don't trust in Him, we need that trust. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard when we're oppressed by the evils of this world. However, I love what King David says in Psalm 56. Turn over there with me to Psalm 56 and look at verses 1 through 11. This is a great passage where King David talks about this trusting in God. Psalm 56 verses 1 through 11. He says this in verse 1, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for, my atta- for many attack me proudly. You can imagine, this is how the Israelites are feeling with the Canaanites. If you remember in Judges 4 and 3, the Canaanites are, impre- are oppressing the Israelites cruelly. And they've been doing that for 20 years. I don't know your situation. If you're in a situation, only you do. But it can be scary facing evil and looking at evil in the eyes. And yet in verse 3 of Psalm 56, we need to act as David says. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? That is a powerful statement. What can flesh, what can mere human do to me if we trust in the Lord? It doesn't matter if in verse 5, all day long they injure my cause, all their thoughts are against me for evil, or in verse 6, they stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps, that they've waited my life. And then David says, he asks this question in verse 7, for their crimes will they escape, and wrath cast down the peoples, O God, You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Whose word I praise. There's an idea of praise Again, the trust and confidence David has and Deborah has in Judges is a blessing to God because it honors and glorifies him. Turn back to Judges. Look at chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And Deborah describes this similar situation that David just described. In Judges 5, verse 6, it says, In the days of Shamgar, in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. The travelers kept by, to the byways. So the Israelites are in such despair and oppression at this time that everything just seems abandoned, and it's like a depression. Verse 7, the villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as mother in Israel. Now, Deborah... She recognizes her leadership. She recognizes her role here. But notice how she finishes in verses 8 and 9. Not giving herself the glory, but God. When gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. Deborah trusted in God. All the way. She trusted in God. She knew that he would get her through, get them through. When we can trust in God, 
It is so freeing because that faith in Him takes away all that other fear and allows us to only fear Him. When we fear God and not man, we bless Him by recognizing and, and honoring Him. For example, you know, the disciples of Jesus, they trusted in Jesus. In the end, Jesus saved their souls and changed their lives. And He's done the same for us. The question is, where do we put our trust? Who do we fear? Who do we have faith in? Who do we bless? I'm sure you've seen this in your own faith. When we cry out to the Lord for help and in our repentance, on our way back, we trust in Him. And God, He gives us a mission. He gives us life. Now in Judges, we're not given all the behind the scenes that lead up to this point starting in verse 6. But we can tell from the text that Deborah is motivated and excited to complete the mission that she and Barak has been given by God. Let's start in verse 6. Judges 4, verse 6, it says, She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinon, from Kedesh Nephetali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Nephetali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give you into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road in which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Nephetali to Kedesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels. And Deborah went up with them. Deborah is enthusiastic here. She's enthusiastic to bless God in completing the mission. She doesn't hesitate, unlike her colleague Barak here in verse 8. She's determined to get the task done and accomplished the way God wants it accomplished. And she quickly accepts Barak's offer in verse 9. However, when we look at Deborah, and only Deborah, and the confidence of Deborah, despite the odds against them, that's 900 iron chariots. That's like the equivalent of 900 modern-day tanks today. Deborah has her trust in the Lord. Her focus is on Him, completing the task at hand. I said earlier this is a tag team match. What we see in this story is a lot of pairs. You have Deborah and Sisera, uh, Deborah and Barak. You have Jabin and Sisera. You notice that Deborah is also a prophet and a judge. In a little bit, you'll also notice there's two main women to this passage. There's a, there's a lot of pairs. And if you think about it, in a lot of ways, there's many things that are just better as pairs. But Deborah, like any good leader, doesn't work alone. She wants to be effective in completing God's task. And she understands that she needs a team to bless God with. As we know, God chooses Barak and they work together to accomplish God's mission. I guarantee you, life is easier with people, especially godly people by your side. Parenting, for example, is usually easier. You've got the husband and wife team. Jesus even knew that evangelizing was easier when you're together. He says in Mark 6, 7, Jesus called out the twelve and began to send them out two by two. Verse 12, So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Think for a second. 
Is there a task standing before you now? Tasks that you know God wants you to take care of. Would it not be easier to do that with a team? With someone else by your side? Paul and Barnabas is another great example. They worked together in that first mission trip recorded in Acts. They complimented one another. They encouraged one another. And even after Paul and Barnabas split, they both had someone else with them on their separate journeys. Together they were effective in establishing and spreading the gospel and encouraging Psalm again, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 34, 3. Together is better. When we can work together, when we can show love to one another, that is going to be a way that we can bless God. Another great passage that shows this power of a team. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes 4, look at verses 9 and 12. It says, Two people are better than one because they can reap more and benefit from their labor. Verse 10, For if they fall, one will help his companion up, but pity the person who falls and has no one to help him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they can keep each other warm. How can one person keep warm by himself? Although an assailant may overcome one person, two can withstand him. Moreover, a three-stranded cord is not quickly broken. A team is so important. Having a person that we can trust and we can be honest with to keep us accountable often determines our success. If we can trust in him and we can work together to complete the mission and task that God has set before us, our effort and our faithfulness, it's not going to go unnoticed. God will do many things for his people and we see that with Deborah and Barak and the Israelites here. Let's, let's look at that. Look at verse 12. Judges 4. Look at, if we continue our narrative, the awesome victory that God gives the Israelites here. Judges 4 verse 12. When Sisera was told by Barak, the son of Abinah, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him from Harish to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. I want to stop right there and picture that for a second. You're with the Israelites and you're marching on these chariots that are coming your way. That's pretty intimidating. That's really intimidating. And probably they're more armed than you are right now. And yet if you trust in the Lord, despite all of that, God intervenes. And he does amazing things. Turn over to Judges 5 and look at verse 4. The amazing things God does is depicted here. It says, The earth trembled, the heavens dropped, yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. And again, look down at verse 20 and 21. From heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on my soul with might. Go back to chapter 4. Look at verse 15. And the Lord routed. That means to confuse, disorient. The Lord confused Sisera and all his chariots and all the army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army of Herosheth 
and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. So even though they had this intimidating army of, of chariots, God was with the Israelites, and he sent rain in their dry season. That's why Sisera was so confident to send the chariots in the first place. He wasn't expecting rain. And God sent rain to flood the river and mud to capture these chariots, making them basically ineffective. And what do the Israelites do? They sit back, they watch, they see everyone. No, they seize that opportunity in the middle of the battle, and they destroy their enemy. It may be intimidating to look at the evil in our life, to look at the sin in our life, but we are foolish to think that we don't need God or that God can't get us out of a certain situation. If we trust in Him and we're willing to fight, and by fight I mean actually put in the effort to be a better servant and bless Him, then like this amazing victory, this is what we can expect when we are with God. And this story isn't over, right? Sisera, he leaves. Look at verse 17. Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Canaanite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazar, and the house of Heber the Canaanite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. Now, look at verse 18 there. She says, do not be afraid. Remember Psalm 56? I trust in the Lord. I shall not be afraid. Where are we putting our trust? Because the world will tell us, don't be afraid. It will try to comfort us, try to get us to put our guard down. Sisera doesn't have faith in God. And so he's forced to put his faith and his trust in this woman. If we're going to live in this world, there will come a time where we have to trust someone. We can either choose to trust the Lord or be forced to trust the world. And only one of those is going to give us true security from our fears and our sins. Look at verse, chapter 4, verse 19. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of a tent and if any man comes and asks you, if anyone here say no. So I'm sure Jael already speculates whether or not Sisera has lost this battle. And that statement alone right there solidifies to at least Jael that the Israelites have won. God has won. And she picks a side in verse 21. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. And then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And behold, Barak was pursuing Sisera. Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. And so he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. So on that day, look at verse 23, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until Jabin was destroyed there. We have to be careful not to finish a mission or to be victorious and forget the one that got us through that victory. Verse 23 there said, God subdued Jabin. We can often cloud our victories with our own works and neglect to praise God 
or to bless him in our victories. And instead what we do is we end up praising ourselves. And imagine for a second if the Israelites only praise themselves afterwards. They only praise themselves. This story that we just read, as awesome as it is, would be really empty and useless to us. Because what makes everything worthwhile in life, through the hardships and the victories, is God. He is the spirit of our victories and the focus of our praise. He's the one that sees us through and gives us purpose. Because of that, we should be quick to bless him and to praise him. A significant part of blessing him is giving thanks to our creator, recognizing who gave us victory and the joy that that brings. And that's exactly what we see Deborah do in her song of praise in Judges 5 with Barak. It says in verse 2, the leaders took the lead in Israel that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Verse 3, hear, O king, give ear, O princes, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Deborah is a great example of leadership. It says in verse 2, leaders took the lead and the people offered themselves willingly. People want to be a part of something. That's just natural for us. That's why social media is such a big deal. Because people can feel like they're a part of something. They can connect in that way. But because Deborah trusted in the Lord, people wanted to be a part of that. They wanted to be a part of the Lord and His promises. And that's the greatest thing anyone can be a part of. is having that relationship with God. And leaders can have that influence to steer people to or from God. And if we can trust in God like Deborah did, then we can be ready to handle any task or mission that God sets before us. But because the Lord is with us, our confidence in Him should bring us certain level of enthusiasm and zeal that will, that will bless him. Furthermore, we don't just accomplish these hurdles alone. We're not perfect enough to do that. We must work together. Notice Deborah is a good leader. She praises her team in Judges 5.12. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake. Break out in song. Arise, Barak. Lead away your captives, O son of Abinam. Verse 24. Most blessed of women, be Jael, the wife of Heber the Canaanite, of tent-dwelling women, most blessed. But more importantly, what we see here is her praise God and show honor to Him, blessing our Creator and our Savior in verse 31. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as He rises in His might. It is in our victories because God saw us through that our actions and our praises should bless Him and glorify Him. Not, not us. He is the one that gives us purpose. He's the one that gives us victory. Now, these are just some steps to help us bless God, but blessing God is so much more than steps. It's a life. A life of faithful service to Him, honoring and acknowledging His greatness. Deborah says in verse 31, Your friends be like the sun. God's friends are the ones who love him. And ultimately, we bless God by being the best servant we can be. In the end, with our faith today, we need to trust in Jesus. He's the one that gives us salvation. True victory. And it's through Jesus that we're given a mission to go out and make disciples of all the world. He is our Lord and we should want to be his servant a beautiful psalm is Psalm 113, verses 1 and 2. It says, Praise the Lord. 
praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name the Lord, of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Forevermore should be our goal. To be servants who bless Him and honor Him forevermore. If you're not a servant of God yet, and you want to be, I encourage you to be. Don't live in fear. Don't trust the world. Don't trust yourself. Accept His invitation to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We stand and we sing.